0: Hey, Ralph, I've been meaning to ask you. I mean, like, it's really great making all this money, cutting down the trees, and, you know, despoiling the splendor of God's bounty out here, but, like... Right. Yeah, but, like, why are we doing this again?
1: Whoa, well, you gotta cut down the trees.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, why? What do you mean? It pays your bills, don't it? Oh, yeah, I love all this overtime I'm earning. It's great. It really is fantastic. But there's this nagging voice that keeps telling me to stop. That's probably just your conscience, but don't listen to it. You're destroying the forest, please, no! I don't know, I mean, it seems, uh, pretty external to my consciousness. I'm not sure. Yeah, don't listen to
1: it talking about saving the trees or anything. What else am I gonna wipe my ass with?
0: Wait, but, so you hear it too? Yeah, did you just hear the thing about the fairies? It's probably just
1: what people call thinking out loud. (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Think about the
0: overtime. Oh, the overtime is good, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty fucking buku. Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords & Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel, here with my natural co-hosts.
2: I'm Chelsea Hollowell, a rainbow dung beetle that likes to help clean up the forest, you know? I We're not pretty. I'm pretty, but you know, because I'm a rainbow.
3: Yeah. But, but the know, job's not pretty. The
2: job's not pretty. But we get shit done.
3: You yes, know what I'm get
0: shit done. I get it. Whoa! Oh, oh
2: yeah, I didn't think you're right.
0: <laughs> well, that's pretty
3: hype.
1: <laughs> but who am I? Oh, I'm Jack Olander, a tree that was having just a good old time, but someone just started stabbing me a bunch in oh, the base. God. Trying to be, like, romantic or whatever, but, you know, I'm just getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah, that's not romantic for you, I don't think. I've been better, but there's that weird machine coming right toward me.
0: <laughs> I don't want to get stabbed unless it's consensual.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they don't feel your pain. No. It's a problem.
0: No, no one ever focuses on that.
3: Aww.
0: No. Well, guys, we have an awesome movie to talk about. In fact, it's a movie that our lovely patrons voted on and got us to watch this month that's true and speaking of patrons we have a special guest on this episode our newest producer and our good friend alicia
4: yay, yay. yay. i'm so happy to be here um my name's alicia i am a bioluminescent mushroom also getting shit done. We're allies! Yeah!
3: Hell yeah! yeah.
1: <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work, guys! Yeah. We got a whole ecosystem. Plants,
0: animals, fungus, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you need for a healthy environment.
2: Well, he's the representative of the humans.
0: Oh, I'm so ashamed.
2: he's <laughs> no, one of the good ones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, phew! <laughs> Well, so, thanks to our patrons voting, this month we're going to be talking about, or this week even, because <laughs> we do these every week, we're going to be talking about the 1992 animated classic, Ferngully, The Last Rainforest.
2: I almost thought you were going to say The Last Airbender, and my <laughs> brain was just trying to at it.
0: That is a crossover that I would probably be super hyped to see. Oh, Yeah. All the elements coming together to make the rainforest grow again.
2: It's a natural, but...
0: Oh, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, was directed by Bill Croyer. It stars, oh, beloved Swords and Satire favorite, Tim Curry. Yes! As well as Samantha Mathis, Christian Slater... Jonathan Ward, and oh my god, another beloved source and satire favorite, Robin Williams.
2: Yeah. Fuck yes. Uh,
0: Hell yeah. He was the best of us. He really was. There was a representation of humans that I would not be ashamed of. (laughs) But, you know, I know we have a lot to say about this movie, but before we do, I think Chelsea has a little summary that she's been planning for everyone.
2: That's right so once upon a time the fairies and humans lived in harmony together
0: really wow you wouldn't know it
2: (laughs) (laughs) and they were the guardians of the forest but then hexis the spirit of destruction was brought into being
0: no fuck
2: he tried to destroy (laughs) everything and scared off the humans the fairies thought they were became extinct
0: the humans became extinct
2: the fairies thought the humans became extinct.
0: They didn't think that they themselves became extinct. <laughs> <laughs> no, the humans. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, extinct. the humans became extinct, not the fairies. Mm. Okay.
2: But some of the more powerful fairies, along with Magi, the wise old fairy, trapped Hexus in a tree.
0: <laughs> Classic. A
2: poetic justice there, because they're tree spirits. And they restored the balance of nature. But then. In modern day, as of this film.
0: (laughs) 1992, or whenever humans had a gigantic tree-eating machine. Whatever year that is.
2: Yeah. Humans, in their ignorance and greed, freed Hexus from his tree prison.
0: (laughs) Humans, always freeing things that are going to kill us all.
2: (laughs) Our our prospective character, Krista... A fairy in training to be the next magical heart of the forest. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. How do
0: I train for that?
3: (laughs) She comes
2: across this monstrous machine. And lo and behold, it's run by humans. They aren't gone after all. Jerks. And (laughs) she sees that Zack, a human marking trees in the forest, is about to get killed by a falling tree. And she saves She's him. nice to care. <laughs> she saves him by making him wee. <laughs> like tiny. <laughs>
0: okay. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sure he almost pissed himself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening. He thinks he's in a dream realm. But soon she convinces him that this is all real. It's all happening. And it takes him a bit of time. But she slowly shows him. The magic in nature and that he's connected to all of it, just like the fairies are. In fact, as Magi says, we all have a power inside of us and it grows when it is shared. And even the smallest seed has the magic of creation inside of it.
0: Oh, man, that's a nice message.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hexus fuses with this machine. And he wants to come after (laughs) Ferngully. The sexiest
0: killing machine you've ever seen or heard.
2: He wants revenge against the fairies for imprisoning him. And he brings the machine ever closer to their tree home. But then Magi sacrifices herself to lend power to the forest and all of the fairy community. And Krista kind of ascends. And gains the power to be able to be one with the forest.
0: Thank you, communism.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's right,
3: Comrade. Yeah.
2: At first, she's battling Hexus and using trees as barriers and realizes she can't defeat him. He's too powerful. And then He's she- too Tim
0: Curry. <laughs> yeah. Remember all that shit he did in Legend? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yes.
2: She hears Magi's words again about the seed holding the power of creation. And she takes a seed and flies into Hexus's core. And instead of trying to battle him from without, she destroys him from within with the power of creation. (laughs) It
0: it looks fucking terrifying (laughs) in the best way possible. Mm
2: -hmm. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Krista's (laughs) old friend Pips, the fairy, realizes that she needs help And so he gets all the other fairy kind to help the plants grow that are coming out of Hexis.
0: Socialism works. What can you say?
2: And by working together, they're able to defeat him. And Zack is turned back to his normal size.
3: Boo! Boring!
2: (laughs) And he's learned some valuable lessons about listening to nature and having allies of many types. And he plants a seed. And Krista helps it grow. And then the hexus tree turns from something that's scary and imposing to the most beautiful tree in the forest. I love that. And Zach walks um. off with his two co-workers, Tony and Ralph.
0: Oh, Tony and Ralph. They're just doing what they do.
2: <laughs> yep. And uh, he says, guys, things have got to change. Mm. And that's it.
0: Wow. What an awesome and concise summary. I don't know about that, but... that <laughs> <laughs> well, it was awesome. I
2: just, I went with it. <laughs> you got shit done. Yeah! Yes, exactly. There you go.
0: All right, well then, why don't we head into the Delve? Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Ferngully... The Last Rainforest. And Alicia, since you're our guest, do you wanna start it off with this discussion?
4: Uh sure. Um I love this movie. It I feel like it was a real big part of my childhood and my teens and my twenties and my thirties, and now I'm old made. So it's like <laughs> very formative. For good or bad, I don't know. But um yeah, I'm just I, I love it. And um, the themes are unfortunately, like more real than ever, more applicable seriously than ever, even in nineteen ninety two when they were actually trying to you know get something going in terms of saving the planet from itself from us um but it, i oh, sorry,
0: unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the movie worked,
4: <laughs> yeah, maybe
0: on us, it just, but
4: <laughs> it just scared the shit out of little kids is what I think like it's, it's said to be like one of the scarier kids' movies from. The '90s, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's rad, but I kind of like dark stuff, spooky stuff. So maybe, maybe that's the case for this group. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think I, I mean, either. when I was
0: a little kid, the Care Bears movie scared the shit out of me. But like by the time this came out, it probably wouldn't have scared me.
1: Right. As I understand it, this movie scared a lot of children and was a sexual
0: awakening for those same adults.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah,
0: sounds about right. Yeah, the Robin Williams and Tim Curry voices especially, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> toxic
2: if, <yeah>. love. <laughs>
0: if you go on YouTube
1: and look up the toxic love music video and you look at the comment section, it's just the thirstiest <laughs> comments you've ever seen.
4: Oh my God.
0: They actually
4: they cut a verse out of that song. That says something about like I'm a special type of horny. No! Whoa!
3: Yeah, what?
4: it's weird. Hell yeah! Whoa. You can hear it on the soundtrack, but um, it didn't make the cut on the movie. I guess the toxic love was sexy enough. Like,
0: <laughs> we gotta get a copy of that soundtrack and listen.
3: Yeah, because that
0: sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> cut that song in right here.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean the themes of environmentalism and conservation like hoping yeah conservation is in there from the fairy side yeah totally um those are like the most obvious the biggest themes that we have and um i like how it's entwined in the messaging with this idea of the magic of nature and mm-hmm. it's not only literal magic like cuz the fairies are magic
0: <laughs> oh you're so right
2: <laughs> but it's also the magic of having balance with nature and seeing the validity of other types of living beings, you know?
0: Yeah. Every creature of Ferngully seems to kind of reinforce the autonomy of other others around them. And they want to support each other and work together. They view themselves as a community, not as like radical individuals, even if they have individual power, they, they understand that they have a place in this larger collective. Like, I I really think of the scene with Guana, the um, iguana.
4: Right. Tone Logue.
0: Yeah, Tone Logue, exactly. (laughs) Yes. When when, uh, Krista says, you know, you have to let him go. You can't eat him. He's my friend. He's like, oh, I would never eat a friend of a fairy. Like, he understands this relationship that he has and this reliance that they have on each other. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah,
2: they're comrades. Yeah. 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 It's that and there's a respect there because fairies are the guardians of the forest. They're tree spirits. So I think he, they all kind of have this understanding that, yeah, they can't exist without one another.
0: Yeah. And I liked how it wasn't like he was afraid to do it. He was like, no, no. Like you said, out of respect, yeah. he's not going to eat.
2: That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like, you can kind of see that they, ha- the fairies have this perspective when Krista is talking to Zach about where he lives. And he talks about living in a city and that there aren't very many trees there. And she says, well, don't you miss talking to trees?
0: Oh, I love that.
2: Yeah, and he like laughs. <laughs> oh, what? <Yes>! <laughs> I'm not like a
0: hippie or anything, dude.
2: <laughs> and she's like, but how can you exist without trees? They give us life. And, you know, they create the air, the clouds, the rain.
0: Oh, man, that hit close to home.
2: I know. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, why are we killing ourselves? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so much of this movie got to me, especially now. Like, I'm just after kind of last year and like all of the fires and everything. I kept thinking about that as we were watching this movie.
1: And the movie is set. In Australia?
2: Yeah. So
0: yeah, it's
1: especially poignant with that fire that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And fire is like the thing that is the herald of crisis for Krista. That's the thing that she sees. When she breaks the social taboo of going above the canopy and sees the smoke, that's how she's able to forewarn her community. So also, Mm -hmm. you know, the movie says something about sometimes you need to break pointless social taboos to get things going or to help out your people.
4: Right, right. And that scene in particular, I thought, was, you know, she flies away from Pip or Pips, whatever his name is. She, like, doesn't care about him at all. He's always trying to pursue her. And she's like, what can I learn from you? I don't, you know, get lost. (laughs) Races away from him and flies up above the canopy. And she's, like, blinded. And then has to come back down and get a leaf to shield her eyes. And what she sees at first, nobody believes her. And so to to me, it's kind of like a Plato's allegory of the cave moment, you know, where you you go out of the cave and you realize there's a whole other world and you try to convince people back in the cave of what you saw. And they're just like, nah, we're good. Dude,
0: so true.
4: (laughs) Yeah, And I also can't help but um, see the the similarities between um, like indigenous erasure from the land stewardship environmental scene that tends to be very like white and you know settler oriented and um the fact that this takes place in australia i think is important but also like why does it take place in australia it's like a uh it's a u.s company right that Bucky, yeah.
0: Zach seems like an American dude. Same with totally. like all of his crew. I mean, that could just be something about, you know, American capital coming into foreign markets to dominate the space however they want and giving no care to the local people or environments.
2: True story. Yeah. This is based on a series of stories by Diana Young. So it could have been a choice she made. Maybe the original stories were based in australia possibly i don't know anything about her as an author
1: well there are some very nice rainforests full of very vibrant animals like the cassowaries the birds that showed up earlier in the film whatever that tone loke creature is i'm sure they have those running around
0: (laughs) (laughs) iguana i guess like a monitor or something yeah Yeah, something like that i'm not gonna lie the The environment didn't seem nearly deadly enough to be Australia to me personally. True. But maybe that's part of the fantasy of the movie.
4: Totally, yeah.
0: Nobody in the entire film compared how large a knife was, but there was the knife scene where Krista accidentally holds up uh, Zach. So It's true.
1: (laughs) And early in the movie, when we're hearing sort of about the lore of this world, it's being portrayed through more... Typical Aboriginal art style. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty interesting. And we see that the fairies used to be connected with the humans, is what we heard. Right. If this film were to be remade, the fairies should probably look more like the Aboriginals, I'd imagine.
0: Probably more like native Australians. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it shows that they can still connect to humans and humans are linked with fairies. Um, There's the scene where Krista hurts herself on the fire that Zach creates with the match. She's glowing red where she hurt her hand. He touches her and it turns blue and goes into his hand and he like heals her.
0: Yeah, it seems like in some interesting way, uh, connecting with Krista brings out a magical ability in Zach too.
2: Yeah, to feel empathy.
0: Yeah, maybe that's what it is.
2: Yeah, that's the magic humans have (laughs) is empathy. Yeah. Some
0: do, I'm told.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you c- it can be learned, too. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess that means there's still hope.
2: <laughs> I just have to say, while we're talking about Zach, I kind of hate him
4: because he's a fucking liar, first of all. Yeah.
0: yeah. It, it, I, I understand why he lied, because he's like, oh, I really don't want to, like break this friendship that I have going right now, but like, like yeah, I get cute
4: it. Fairy girl.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean who who of us haven't lied to a cute fairy girl at some point? I don't
4: know. That's not my
0: style.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think I could treat Krista way better.
3: No, okay, well hey Yeah he's
4: a manipulator. He like lies to Krista and that's how he manipulates her. But then he also like physically manipulates Batty who I hope we have a whole discussion. He's my favorite.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I know I
0: know exactly what you're talking about when he's like hitting yeah. him in the prod.
4: He like pinches his little wires that are sticking out of his head because he's this tragic figure that, you know, this adorable fruit bat that humans got a hold of and poked him and injected him and infected him and in his little batty wraps. <laughs> That's another thing. The music
3: It's so good. <laughs>
4: Oh, so kind of good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it's good in the way that, you know, the type of stuff we talk about on this show is good. <laughs>
4: totally. Yeah, it's juicy, but maybe didn't age that well, with the huge exception of Toxic Love. That song is, <laughs> that song is timeless.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, some of the songs were a little, eh. yeah, for sure.
4: <laughs> yeah, some of them did not age very well. But I just feel like it's rude to, you know, for Batty to be like, oh, as soon as you let a a human into these woods or this forest, then you're going to get shopping malls and highways and convenience stores. And and that makes Zach feel very self-conscious, I think. And so he violates Batty's bodily autonomy and, like, pinches his little wires so that Batty will change the subject and stop talking shit about humans and all the absolutely horrible things that they do to wild spaces. So a manipulator dude he's gross yeah
0: he's a pretty classic colonizer he's just like okay i don't want to hear this conversation right now actually so i'm just gonna he also uses it near the end to uh like get batty to fly him into war basically which i'm like it was a necessary step but also like a little bit of like compassion and reasoning probably would have gone better yeah I, I You know what? I want to talk about Batty, too, because, wow, what a great character.
4: Totally. <laughs> what an
0: amazing human being Robin Williams was. Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: love. Apparently, he recorded 14 hours of improv <laughs> for this movie that was supposed to be an eight-minute role.
4: Yeah. That in itself is a tragedy. Yeah. I wish he was in it a lot more,
0: but... Oh. Yeah. I could... I mean, I would pay real human dollars for those 14 hours of tapes <laughs> yeah. and I would listen to them regularly. Oh my god, they must exist. You would think that they wouldn't destroy them, right? Like we got to we got to get our listeners out there and and do a little bit of research for us to to find those things because holy moly.
2: That would be awesome.
0: But I mean, Daddy sure. is this really tragic character. Like you said Alicia, like he is this self-aware disturbed individual who's been the subject of horrendous tortures still maintains a pretty positive outlook he's suffering through this horrendous ptsd about humans that he gets over pretty quickly when he sees that zach's a pretty nice guy but it's completely it would be completely understandable if for the entire film he loathed and wanted nothing to do with zach
4: mm-hmm. and it, that's kind of how it played out and zach turns good you know, like he learned a lot while he was in Ferngilly. And then towards the end, he basically comes out and says, like, oh, I was lying to you guys the whole time, you know, and yeah, we absolutely ate the forest. And I'm really sorry. And you guys have to leave, you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> and that's
4: when Batty was like, oh, the truth, you know, it doesn't make many friends, but it can influence people, which is another like brilliant. Yeah. Balance lesson
3: yeah. yeah
0: really insightful lines you know people talked some people talked about how this movie is a little heavy-handed i'm like well first off it's a kid's movie so the themes should be really forward and right. for another thing like given i think the very low media literacy of a lot of people i think you need the themes to be really heavy-handed in something like this like hey like Don't fuck around. The forest isn't just going to always be there if we fucking cut it and burn it down and strip mine the land. You will just have nothing left.
2: And like we've been talking about, by doing that, you're encroaching on the autonomy of other living beings. You don't have to come from it with a hierarchy of quality of life, like with humans at the top of this hierarchy. Like... All living beings can be seen as equally valid. And like we are learning so much more about trees and other plants now and how they communicate. And in that special we were watching about the fungi, they also talked about trees. And Mm -hmm. they talked about how they... I mean, I've learned about this before in other articles, but they communicate through their root system. But I also learned today (laughs) that... They not only communicate, but send nutrients to other trees and plants that are suffering. Um, (laughs) And they will share nutrients with one another through their roots.
0: So cool. That's really sweet.
2: So other animal and plant uh, beings have rich lives, and we're understanding that more and more all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think that if the more people know and can really understand that and appreciate it, the more it might change the way we think about what we do in the world. That's my hope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I certainly hope that you're right. I mean, I feel like we need more movies like this. Yeah. That aren't an avatar.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen the mashup of the trailer? They do a mashup, for Fernbelly, Abby.
0: Oh, <laughs> shit. Have to yeah. look at it. Okay. We need to watch that. That yeah. sounds amazing.
1: That sounds awesome. But I want to quickly address the dedication of this film, which it says at the very end. Oh, yeah. Yes, please do. It says the film was for our children and our children's children, which is
0: basically you at this point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's
4: all for you, Jack.
1: Yeah. Yay. <laughs>
0: Thank you, but
1: yeah, the themes are still super prevalent Yeah, to this day, and like you're saying that we just keep needing more movies like this,
0: kinda rough. Yeah, yeah, it's like, did we need, like, ten more Ferngully-style movies to, like, get the message in? Because it didn't fucking work.
2: (laughs) Well, we're still gripped by human ignorance and greed, like the characters in the movie that are tearing down the trees. Just driven, most corporations that are running all the show, basically, are driven by the profit motive. And uh, that doesn't leave a lot of room for caring about other living beings.
0: You know, it's interesting that you mention that, because a fun little fact about the production of this movie, since we were just talking about Batty a minute ago, too, is that Jeffrey Katzenberg of Disney... When this movie was coming out, Aladdin was also about to come out. Right. And Katzenberg didn't want Robin Williams in two animated movies at the same time. So the Disney company did everything they could to try to stop this movie from happening.
2: Sabotage
0: it. They would, like, rent out studios that Ferngully was going to be made in for, like, more money. They tried to buy a brewery that the company was going to use for a studio. It was so fucking shady... And it perfectly goes in line with what you're saying about, like, kind of the corporations in this film that are just doing whatever they want, having no accountability, and trying to strong arm their way into other people's places to just make a profit.
2: Yeah.
1: Mindless greed and consumption. Yeah. Definitely. And when we see Hexus's music video, well, right before then... Like you pointed out, he knows all the corporate lingo.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Hexus is like, he knows the language of work and capital. It's He's like, true. this is going to be overtime, guys. Right. Like, he is a, this trapped spirit of evil that's been stuck in a tree, and he even he knows how to manipulate capital.
4: <laughs> even he knows that workers get 10-minute breaks because he says more no breaks.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. So it's it like to me it really says that, you know, the root of evil is also the root of capitalism.
2: Yeah. I agree hard um, agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Even the workers just get excited for the overtime
0: pay. Yeah, they're just like cool, more money. We'll fucking burn down this whole country. Who cares as long as we're making cash. Right. Oh
4: god. Not the best portrayal, right, of workers, but I'm no. to that I'm sure
0: yes yeah I mean I think i feel like to some extent these characters are a stand-in for kind of like the the higher ups in the company even though they are just like working stiffs mm-hmm. they are like managers though right like they've got the cushy job sitting inside of the leveler so they don't really care about people like Zach at the beginning later right. on they kind of maybe get a little bit of class solidarity but at the mm-hmm. beginning they see themselves as above the the grunts out there doing hard manual labor.
4: Right. If you've ever worked with a machine operator, then it's kinda that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the operator.
0: Sure. Yeah. But that's that's a hierarchy thing, right? Like they, definitely. They're like, oh, we're totally cool with this because we're like the higher up. We're like management. So, you know, that that does happen sometimes. Management sometimes aligns more with the owner class than the worker class in a lot of ways so i think it might be kind of apt the way that they uh respond to the situation
1: but also in that song toxic love hexis's music video music segment there's like the perfect visual metaphor Where it starts stacking up gold coins all the way up into the sky, and then they become palm trees and he just knocks it down. Oh, so good.
3: Sick!
1: (laughs) (laughs) The trees are money.
2: And that's the way humans (laughs) now see the natural world. It's just resources to be exploited for gain. Right. Them (laughs) gains.
0: Not the gains we like here at Swords and Satire. No, no. No.
2: Well, There there's definitely a
1: lot of outrage when it comes to these corporations that cut down forests, right? Right. Whenever you talk to someone about like, oh, did you know they cut down like a hundred thousand trees every second? You're just like, Whoa shit, no (laughs) one is happy about that, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, there's gotta be
0: a few people,
1: but I mean (laughs) a few people and a lot of what's been happening the last couple of years has been the burning of the Amazon to make more farmland. And mm. no one is really happy about that, but there's also not a lot that people are aware of what they can do about it.
0: Sure. I mean, when it's being conducted by shady corporations with no government oversight and no concept of the da- or no care for the damage they're doing, It's really hard for common folks like us to feel like we have any power over that type of situation.
2: I mean, there are organizations that will work with local governments wherever this is happening, and they will work with them to buy up land. Right. But sometimes, like, the companies that are burning down the forest will just go into that land anyway.
4: Or, uh, like, what happened... And is happening in the Amazon are the indigenous folks that still live there are often the ones on the front lines, and depending on the government, they probably don't want the government to interfere. They probably just want the government government to support the indigenous folks because, just like the Ferngullians, right? Yeah, they've been stewarding this land forever. They've been helping it grow forever, and and they are the best for the job to manage that land. So.
0: Well, and that we see that in the film too, because the the indigenous fairies are the best people to take care of the land. Zach can do a little bit; he can do his part, right. but at the end of the day, it is the the native people of this place that have to kind of do like the bigger work.
2: Well, and once he's learned from them, the larger role he can play, and they show this near the end, is going back to where he came from to try to convince more people to stop what they're doing.
4: Right. And mirroring the struggle of indigenous folks, uh, even though they're 5% of the world's population, they manage and steward 80% of the Earth's natural environments. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what happens is indigenous folks everywhere have to clean up the mess of settlers, you know? And so that's exactly what happens, you know, if if we're using the Fernvillians as uh, the indigenous population in this magical land, you know? They have to clean up after, they already sorted out uh, Hexus before, right? They trapped him in a tree. Everything was natural at that time. So it was easy. Maggie mopped the floor with him, so it seems. But then the humans come back or persisted or whatever, right? Because they were thought to be extinct, which is another, like, I don't know, I just can't I can't stop thinking about indigenous folks because that's another thing. It's like we're extinct. Like you guys went whatever colonization disrupted your communities so much that you're gone now. And we can do whatever we want with your land, right? Well it's kind of like it flipped in this movie. But then the indigenous Ferngullians have to clean up after the mess that the settlers made, right? The the loggers because they they done let Hexus out.
0: Yeah, I I uh I really thought it was a very apt uh, story point that it's this kind of the banality of evil. Like, Zach's just like, oh, I'm just doing my job, just marking the tree. The leveler and Ralph and Tony are just like, oh, we're just doing our jobs. We're just cutting the trees that Zach marks. There's no accountability. There's no responsibility. And like you're saying, after the shit has all hit the fan, now it's the indigenous people's job to clean up this fucking mess. That the colonizers left for them,
4: right? And they go out of their way to say when Zach is like, "They're coming this way, like we have to get out of here." Chris is like, "No, we we are from here. We're gonna stay here. We have nowhere else to go." And that's when they fight, and uh they like log- she lodges some in seed into his skull. Yeah, <laughs> Nexus? No, Hexus. Hexus. What is Nexus?
0: uh nexus i don't know like like the core of something or whatever like the center of of a galaxy
4: (laughs) i keep saying that in my head anyway i hope i don't
0: say it again Ah, that's all good but
1: that's also analogous to real life because if you shove a seed into someone's head it stops them
4: I hope I'm taken out that way.
0: Yeah.
3: It's
4: an honorable way to go.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to be buried in one of those. Um, I mean, I'm never going to die, but, like, if I were going to die, I wanted to be buried in one of those, like, organic tree things where your body fertilizes the tree. Oh,
4: yeah. Just yet, guys, they have a mushroom suit. <sighs> that's right. Yes.
0: Whoa. Whoa. I have heard about those. Yeah, that's super cool. Mushroom suit? I haven't yeah. heard
4: about yeah. this. Yeah. So. We're all full of toxins now, right? And so even if you did do like the the biodegradable, I'm going to turn into a tree, well, that tree's going to be fucked because you ate a bunch of microplastics. No! You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the mushroom suit, uh, it's also really funny if you look it up. It's not fashionable, but, you know, <laughs> um, the mushrooms grow on the suit and they're able to deal with the toxins, they're able to break down the toxins um, way better, right, than, than um, if you just put yourself in like one of those pagan wicker baskets or whatever, you know, whatever the they're all cool, they're all cool
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you can That's... wicker man me too, I'll take that, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow
0: uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's nature reclaiming,
2: yeah, yes. I like that
4: right, so we can be in solidarity in our death, yeah right? yes,
0: dude
1: Green is what comes after. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: I did really like this idea that humans have their own type of magic too, and they can learn how to access that by being more in balance with nature and having empathy for other beings. I thought that was a really cool message.
0: Yeah, I thought that was neat. At first I was kind of like, hmm, why is he getting the magic? Like, what does that mean? And I think that that's a really good reading of why zach was able to become a magical being himself
4: yeah yeah magic says um we all have the power and it grows when it's shared i think we mentioned that before it's so sweet Mm -hmm.
0: plus again great communist message power shared the people unite and that's the best way to lead and rule
2: yeah yeah that's right yeah they both have magic they can talk to nature I like that. She was like, don't you miss talking to the trees? Yeah. I love that. That's a cute line. <laughs>
0: now, what I do have a question for you guys about, though, is something that we're often not a fan of here on the show. That is the somewhat forced romance that we uh, have between Krista and Zach.
4: Okay. Yeah. Hated it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> but,
0: all right. Yeah. let's Let's jump right into it then. <laughs>
4: I mean, Pip is so
2: much cooler and hotter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's got that big Chad muscle energy. I was
2: going to say he's a Chad fairy. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Plus, like anybody with Christian Slater's voice, including Christian Slater, like, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just so much cooler.
0: It was a trip to have him in this role because the last movie we watched of him recently was Heather's.
2: Yes, which oh, is yeah. just
0: a wild fucking role.
2: I loved it actually. <laughs> oh, it's a
0: great movie, but he's like this sociopathic lunatic, like murderer, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's just—it was such a creepy experience to watch this movie and hear his voice after just watching that film.
4: That's. I feel like he's way more at home in those sociopathic
2: roles and so this one is just like a sweet surprise yeah (laughs) Yeah. I think
0: you're right yeah
2: (laughs) I I didn't like the romance between Zach and Krista either and I didn't like it when I was a kid either
0: that's gotta tell you something
2: the parts where they are like having their romance together even though there's like some important symbolism about how they're connecting and like he's learning to have empathy that's like a key part of the movie where it's happening for him I can think about that as an adult, but as a kid I was just like, this is so boring <laughs> Yeah
0: Yeah, like this movie's only an hour and fifteen minutes, but there's five minutes in the cave that I think could still go. <laughs>
2: yeah. And right. but one thing I did like was that even though Pips and Zach kind of had a little bit of uh rivalry, they didn't have like overt antagonism against one another. And they became friends at the end. I did like that part. Yeah. And Krista interjects,
4: like, she's clearly, like, the boss of everybody, it seems like. Um, I, I did love that about the film. I always did. It's, like, centers this young woman's, like, journey and, like, uh, fight that she leads her community in. By following, right, the old matriarch, uh, creatrice Yeah. Yeah. You know? Dude,
0: that is great. Yeah, it's like this this socialist utopia, but with an emphasis on matriarchy and like feminine power, which is awesome.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And she totally saves Zach's ass a number of times, both from pips and everything else. Like a couple times he gets fed up and he's like, I'm out of here, you know? And he almost gets eaten by the monitor, you know? He like falls into the forest floor because he can't fly. It's very clear that like he doesn't belong there. He's invited, yeah. Right? So this this more like indigeneity. Like you are an outsider. We've invited you into our space. You're gonna learn some shit <laughs> if you're humble enough to receive it, right?
0: Oh, I was gonna say. I like how it really flips the damsel in distress thing. And Zach is often the one who's like, yeah. I mean, it all starts. Their relationship starts with her saving his life, and then it continues with her saving him multiple times throughout the film, until he finally in the end is like, okay, I can help a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's still Krista's show. Krista's still the one who does the big action. It's not, Zach isn't the outsider who comes in and saves the day. He has to come and learn a lesson, and still he doesn't get the hero role. He's part part of it. He gets a little ability to be part of this bigger project, but Krista is still focused as The person with the power to, to really help save the forest.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I'm in the same boat where when I was younger watching this, the romance between them, I was like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Okay, we, let's get past it, right? The cave scene. I was like, all right, I'm not, I wasn't really on board anyway. And this, this entire scene is for people who are on board. Yeah. Right? But, this time, I was a little more into it than I was in the past. Let's talk about it, then. Zach, he's sort of a (laughs) fuck-up.
3: Yeah.
1: Right? He's been (laughs) led astray by society.
0: He has a monstrous job. Yes. And And he's probably just trying to make money to make a living. He doesn't probably have the financial means to be able to question the job that he has, right? Like, he's probably stuck in... I mean, he can't even afford sleeves. It's true. Poor guy.
3: (laughs) That's true.
1: He still has to listen to a cassette deck in 2021. (laughs) Anyway, he, you know, he's never been raised to see what's going on. Right. Right. And Krista is showing him a whole new side of the world he lives in, right?
0: A whole new world, as it were. Exactly.
1: Robin Williams. Is in that movie also. Uh <laughs> But.
2: Isn't that what he was recording at the same time as this? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Krista is fascinated with humans as well. So there's this super like, I think, authentic enthusiasm about each other's cultures. Where Zach is like, wait, the world is beautiful. And Krista's like, well, you're fascinating. Right? Well,
0: think about this from Krista's perspective. It would be like if a Dodo walked up to you tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it's I guess you're right. I would like that. I <laughs> would love it. It'd <laughs> be, be awesome. awesome. But
1: she's really empathetic and sees that he needs help. And he didn't know he needs help and is receiving it. And so I think that's a nice relationship. Just like to have a good chemistry, I suppose. That's fair. And it's a very intimate process, I think, is what they go through. If it had to be romantic, I'm not sure, but I think it's realistic that it got there.
0: I I was almost going to say it's a product of the time that this movie was made, but we still keep doing the two opposite gender or different gendered characters need to fall in love. That's just how movies work. Like, we're still falling into that trope 30 years after this film was made. So it's hardly a surprise that in 1992, somebody in the production was like, all right, these two got to fall in love. That's that's how movies work, guys. What am I going to say?
1: Yeah, it wasn't necessary for the film. And if we're looking at themes, environmentalism is absolutely the biggest one. I, I don't think them falling in love really provided a theme that was necessary, like a takeaway, because so much of this film isn't fantasy. It's when you turn this off, you still are living it, right? This movie is a reflection of the real world. Sure, yeah. In a lot of ways.
4: With the exception of indigenous people.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's correct.
4: Create a whole fairy race of (laughs) folks because you don't want to talk about actual indigenous people.
1: Yeah. I, I suppose I still mean the environmentalism, but their, their romance arc didn't add... You don't have a big takeaway from that one. No. Your life
0: isn't changed from that. It adds nothing to the movie, and it might take a bit from the movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just
4: compulsive heteronormativity. That's all. Nothing to
1: see. Yeah. I said that at the end when Zack and Pips are saying goodbye, and Pips is like, You son of a bitch. You
0: did it after all. <laughs> Zack should have kissed him.
4: That would have been so
2: much hotter. Yeah.
0: That would have yeah. been. I think that's probably the ending that most of the fanfic is about. Yeah. yeah. I have to imagine.
2: Yeah, that would have been. A lot more fun, that's for sure.
0: I can totally see shipping Zach and Pip. Yeah, it yeah. would have been hype.
1: <laughs> if it was gay like that, it would have had a positive real-world takeaway from the romance. Yes. Right. Absolutely.
2: You're right. Then it would have mattered more.
1: Yeah. It would have given you something to actually learn from. Yeah. It would
2: have been a, a more of a message behind it, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love is love. Right. And we could have had like a shot of Krista just like so happy that her friends are like hooking up. Oh, yay. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. We've got our rewriting history ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really think it could work, the rewrite of this movie. I had other ideas too. Yeah. I mean, a rewrite that isn't just Avatar. Right. (laughs) Are there other things that folks want to cover?
4: There's one little funny thing that I feel like maybe gets mentioned a few times on this podcast that like when people die they just become this like sprinkle of corpse dust. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes.
4: That's what happens to Magic. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's true. Corpse sparkles just go all over everyone and then they kill or they, you know, imprison Hexus again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, you know you know how it is when a loved one passes and they just turn into a a mist of of a glitter that sprinkles down on top of you and everyone's so happy to be integrated with their beloved ones.
2: Yeah, you just right. breathe them in and they're part of you forever. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Lodged deep in your lung ventricles.
1: It went into all of them, even Zach. Yeah, it even went inside of Zach.
0: That just made them all a little bit more magical. Yes.
4: Right. right. He needed some
3: magic.
0: Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's why he was able to, like, push forward and be like, hey, Tony and Ralph, you guys, we got to make some changes.
4: Yeah. Okay, there's another one that I think is another uh, theme that arises in a lot of films, period, but some that you guys have reviewed already. And that's the idea of, like, demonizing the gays. Because I don't know about you, but the the beginning of that Toxic Love song, you know, there's almost like a photo yeah. shoot like a mm, like yeah a yeah guy.
3: yes yeah. yeah
4: and it was kind of like a drag show i don't know because it's tim curry
2: yeah. and it's sexy and
1: yeah oh you're right i yeah. didn't make that connection hexus
0: is vamping pretty hard
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it's so you're right it's so sexy and alluring but then it's also like he's the antagonist and like an evil spirit of destruction. So.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think we yeah, we need to talk more about Hexus because as a villain he's really interesting, but there are little issues like that, like this kind of a feat portrayal of evil. Right. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll put Tim Curry in absolutely any film and he plays a wonderful villain whether it's Uh, Under 30 pounds of prosthetics and makeup or in an animated film. (laughs) He was so sexy. (laughs) Jack, Jack just kept saying while we were watching the movie, like how can you not root for Hexus?
3: <laughs> and I was like,
0: you're so right. <laughs> Even when I was young and I
1: saw Hexus, I'm like, he's having such a good time.
3: <laughs>
4: he's a total hedonist, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah! yeah, there's something joyous about his just complete evil, like, em- embrace of evil. Just his, like, just showering in it.
4: Yeah, he was having a really, really good day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he has got great fashion sense. His like cloak of slime and goo under his or like on top of his skeletal structure when he reaches his corporeal form. I mean, that's just that's his good fashion sense.
4: Yeah, that imagery was it's always been super cool to me. Like sometimes it's illuminated and so it almost looks like a, a an x-ray.
3: Yeah. And other times
4: it's like fire glowing into his yes. skeleton. And yeah. Yeah. And then he has that cape also
2: and and yeah, he's just badass. Super yeah. Cool.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Then he looks like the literal embodiment of death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really cool.
2: Which is also well, sexy. Yes. Yeah.
1: I think his sexiness is uh sort of consuming recklessly. Can be seductive, I think. Just, like, breaking shit, eating as much as
0: you want. Oh, yeah. Like Alicia said, he's very hedonistic. Just, like, in his absolute selfish desire for destruction and self-gratification.
1: Extravagant wastefulness. Yes.
2: And human industry and its products, like pollution, feed him. So he's a really great representation for kids, like the dangers of pollution and unchecked greed and you know human industry
0: yeah, I mean the tremendous waste that comes from materialism
2: right mm-hmm.
1: yeah, we see sort of multiple ways that that gets transferred like the scene where Zach dips his fingers into the into the river and they come oh. out just covered in oil uh. and you see the whole river is brown. And he touches the tree, and he reacts like he's been burned, and it shows the red glow of pain that comes from the tree.
4: Yeah, that was a really
1: important part for his character. Yeah. Yeah. When he actually does feel the tree's pain, because earlier he can't when he's carving it, and Krista's like, the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How can you do that, you
0: fucker? Yeah. (laughs) How'd you like it if I carved you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean I got a bunch of tattoos, so I'm I'm used to it. But. Yeah, that's cool. yeah.
4: <laughs> consensual. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's that's right.
4: Yeah, that's important.
1: Yeah, but that scene was really, really interesting. And the other scene where Krista finally hears from Magi, Maggie? Ma- Magi. Magi that the <laughs> Not some common name like Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> when she hears from Magi that The humans were not keeping the leveler away. And she turns around and she sees the red X that Zach was marking the trees with. Yeah. And she starts flying and it just becomes this abstract background of red X's over a black Mm. void. And it is playing this sound like a distressed trapped animal in the background, which is really unsettling. Mm -hmm. It's pretty brief, only a few seconds, but it's like it's the sound of nature crying out in distress with these red human X's in the background.
2: It just is so poignant and really gets the emotion across Yeah, well.
0: That was some unsettling shit. And those X's, I mean, that's the visual metaphor for Zach's betrayal of Krista's trust.
3: Yeah. It's true.
2: And it's also a good way to communicate the pain she's feeling and confusion. Right. And like understanding the animacy of nature,
4: right? Like it's not just, the tree is not just an object. In our language, unfortunately, it is, right? We've heard we refer to trees as it, it's, not persons, which is complicated, right? And it goes into what you were saying in the beginning, like, we need more movies like Ferngly. Like what have we been doing since nineteen ninety two? Like just fucking shit up. Like <laughs> I think one of the things is that as a result of our language and our culture and all these other things, um we not only privilege ourselves above all, all other species, but we also have this individual responsibility narrative all the time, right? And I don't know about you guys, but probably before this movie my family was already recycling and that was a thing where it's like oh I'm gonna separate my plastics and my glass and I'm gonna save the world and I think that's what we've been doing for 30 years like oh I'm just gonna keep recycling and encourage my school to recycle the right way or whatever you do in your community but that's not gonna stop the leveler you know it's not gonna stop Tony and Ralph and their boss and you know what I mean like it has nothing to do with industry
0: I always say that in response to things like spare the air days. It's like, yeah, I mean, being conscientious of, like, when you burn is good. Factories don't shut down on spare the air day. We're not pumping out a fraction of the pollutants into the air that industry is every second of every day throughout the world. So it's like, you know what? Let me have my fucking bonfire. I
2: mean, let me, let's just... Point out one example the textile industry is one of the worst in terms of pollutants. That yeah. Put into the water, dyes, and the, and... and the atmosphere, and like all of the shipping industry as well.
1: Oh, yeah. So, really, those are all just us slowing down the process, hoping to God we come up with something to fix it soon enough, right?
2: <laughs> if we don't pass more regulations and policies to curb these industries from just carte blanche taking advantage anywhere they can, I think that it's good to like do things on an individual level. I don't want to downplay that. Sure. But if we don't also have other tactics along with it, then it's not going to go as far. No. As long as the other tactics are absolutely overthrowing capitalism, I agree. Yeah. No. Well, we're,
0: we're all on board <laughs> that with that. That has to happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's We're crazy. trying to make it happen one episode at a time. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: happy to help support any way I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yay. You know, I,
2: I do like companies. Um, there's one that I use. I'm not going to give them a shout out because I'm not like paid by them or anything. But <laughs> there is one that like we get our like bamboo paper stuff from like napkins and, and uh, towels that are all bamboo. And um, they recently realized their vision to give back. They're like all carbon neutral, at least. They they also have a vision of like planting a million trees. And um, they've partnered with all these organizations so that you can donate to help environmental groups and organizations and like actually buying up acreage in the rainforest. And, and you can do that all from your shopping cart with this business. And there are other businesses that are doing this, and they are making it happen by collaborating like uh, the fairies do, you know? Yeah. And, and how they work together with humans, you know? It's by working together, like we are saying, that we can actually make more meaningful change.
0: I think you give them a shout-out. You're saying all this good stuff about them anyways.
2: Okay, it's Grove Collaborative. <laughs> <laughs> they're a good company i, I yeah. believe in what they do
0: if you believe in them i, I think let people know yeah
2: <laughs> are they worker owned are they co-op i believe so
1: oh i hope so yes, i really hope so
2: everything.
0: yeah <laughs> hi while we're giving
1: uh, shout outs to environmental businesses uh i might give a shout out to the search engine ecosia where every eight searches gives them enough money to plant trees Ooh. And you have a little tree counter in the upper right-hand corner of your search engine that tells you how many trees you've helped plant with your searches.
0: Very cool. Damn,
1: yeah. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah!
2: That's super cool.
1: Every time you Google porn,
0: <laughs> you plant a tree. No, no, not Google!
4: Oh man, we would
2: fix it. That's it.
0: Every time you search for porn, you're yeah. planting trees.
2: You're saving the planet one wink at a time.
0: Thanks, Ecosia. Please sponsor (laughs)
3: us.
0: (laughs) I thought that you were going for the Pornhub sponsorship. (laughs) If they want to plant a tree in our name, Pornhub can sponsor us. Doesn't doesn't Pornhub do a bunch of, like, social movement, like, stuff?
2: Oh, boy, I don't know. I think
0: they do. I think I've seen a bunch of, like, charitable work that they do. We're going to have to do more research before we accept that (laughs) sponsor. No, we're desperate. Come on. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think we've covered... As much as we're going to get through on this one.
2: Yeah. Yeah? There's always more to say. Yeah. But I think we've done a good job.
0: I think we can probably head into the smithy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to The Smithy, where we forge a rating for this movie after we each share an epic moment or feature from the film. Alicia, you're our guest, so do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from 1 to 10 seeds? Ooh! Oh, that's
4: very sweet. Damn, there's so many good things and characters and, you know, like we said so much about Tim Curry's character and everybody loves Robin Williams and nobody is healed from his absence like (laughs) Batty is such a rad character and all of his little um glitches or whatever when he gets his wires crossed like I really like that I really like that and I wish there was more of him because he's so funny I'm gonna switch it up and say the most epic part of this film was the matriarchy
3: nice really yes.
4: yeah i love that like everywhere she goes she just floats through the forest and things sprout from underneath her you know like what the most amazing personification of like good vibes
3: yes and then
4: yes. um krista kind of after she sacrificed everyone thinks that she sacrificed herself um to lodge that seed into um hexas's skull thing um she awakens, or she like comes out of this blossom, right, from the new imprisonment of Texas, and then she floats down and, and blossoms, or underfoot, or whatever. So she she totally inherits that like forest spirit matriarchy role, which is so oh. dope.
3: Yeah, so cool. I
0: love that.
4: Yeah. So I mean, with the glaring, I mean, 1992 Indigenous people have always been around. So with that one glaring. I don't know, absence in the film of the Indigenous perspective. Um, and I get it. I totally get it. It's a magical world and these are magical beings. I get it. But fucking land back. Like, you can just say land back. <laughs> you know, that's what this is all about. So I'm going to give it nine seats out of ten because, I, you know, I have, to, I have to represent for the people. But also, it's just, like, one of my all-time favorite persistent childhood films. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Sweet. Nice.
2: Yeah, that's a good rating.
0: Awesome. All right, Jack. How about you? Do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature, and then a rating from one to ten seeds?
1: I really don't think anyone is going to be surprised when I tell them that it's hexis. Not <laughs> even a little bit, dude. Since the first time I saw this, it's been hexis. When I was so young, I didn't have conscious thought, right?
3: Yeah. Just there was my,
1: only
0: Tim Curry. Uh, <laughs> my first words were why is he so sexy? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, 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 true. yeah.
1: He's just so likable. I don't know what it is. He's got a charisma. What can I say? He's so fun. And as a villain, like I think a villain that you can't help but love is so interesting. Because there's nothing redeemable about Hexus.
0: Not even a little bit. He is an no. elemental
1: force of destruction. He can't be re- redeemed, reasoned with. He's there to find joy from your overconsumption. And so if, he he's there to make you worse.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I love him. <laughs> and he's awesome. I mean, there's nothing like a good villain, especially if Tim Curry plays him. It's true. Yeah. But when it
1: comes to the film as a whole, the environmental messages are awesome. That's why I'm always going to keep coming back to this. There are some scenes that used to cringe me in this movie that don't anymore and new ones that do. uh, Like the indigenous (laughs) angle that you mentioned. Some of the themes I think they could have been more sensitive about. And some of the stuff that's meant to just be sort of like whimsical which is fun and whatnot, but the, you know, Princess Mononoke is probably one of my favorite movies and they take this shit real seriously. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think for a kids movie, we need the whimsy. And anyway, that to, makes sense. to mm-hmm. mention the, the dedication of the film one more time to our children and our children's children. I I think that's really something very important to focus on. And in real life, I work in a spiritual shop and we have a lot of books about environmentalism and climate change. And one I want to quickly give a shout out to is a book called Warmth by Daniel Shirell. And uh, the caption is, coming of age at the end of our world. Oh, shit. It's about being a young person in a world where climate change is already too late to reverse.
2: Oh, wow. What's that like? (laughs)
0: what's it like to be young jack
2: yeah it's some strange (laughs) fantasy world yeah yeah so for our children and our
1: children's children show them fern gully and get them books like that yeah keep the message going because new info is coming up all the time and we need to stay educated to stay on top of this and you don't have to get a mullet Like the characters in the film, but if you want to, I'll endorse it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just wear leaves and like... Yeah. Yeah, go out wearing a leaf. (laughs) That's classic. That's hype.
1: We live in the Bay Area, so it flies. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: A lot of hip
4: mullets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very in vogue.
2: Yeah. If you wear plants and leaves, you'll just be like uh, Robin Williams' character in Jumanji. So. It's true.
1: It's true. And yeah. that character made it onto our fantasy Avengers, so must be doing something right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit.
1: So, uh, all that being said, uh, I think I'm probably going to give this movie an 8 out of 10 seeds. Nice. I love this movie. I own this movie. I've seen it probably like 50 times. I'm probably wow. going to see it that many more times. <laughs> it's great. Watch it. <laughs> Very nice.
4: Can can I do a book recommendation too? Sorry, I know I already went. Sure.
1: Please sure. do. do. I'd love that.
4: I just finished reading um The Democracy of Species by Robin Wall Kimmerer. She's like my new favorite. She also has a book called braiding Sweetgrass yes! they have a lot of yeah, you've heard of it because it's still we
0: sell that book
4: oh, I'm so happy to hear that yeah i k- have-
0: wall kimmer
4: wall yeah and kimmerer k i m m e r e r she's a citizen of the Potawatomi nation, and so she has this whole like indigenous ecological knowledge, you know which corroborates scientific inquiry, which also then you know corroborates indigenous knowledge so it's just the most apt example of everything that is trying to say and braiding sweetgrass is like 10 out of 10 highly recommend but the democracy of species has a super badass name also but it's like this skinny so it's a really quick read it's like a condensed version of why you know and how you can
2: be a good person so highly recommend
3: very I, cool. I
2: really want to read that. I'm always thinking about how can I do better and how can I improve how I give back. And so I I love learning about that kind of thing.
4: You'd love this book. I'll be nice. You should just read it to each other because you're all yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. You know, I'm actually
0: so down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally.
0: Well, there's your book recommendations for the week, everybody. Thank you guys for uh, sharing those. That's great.
2: Nice extra tidbit. (laughs) I also,
0: while Jack was talking about Hexis, just realized that I believe this is our third Tim Curry villain, second Tim Curry animated villain this month, because we also (laughs) talked about Over the Garden Wall in November. That's right.
4: Wow.
0: A perceived villain. Eventually, not kind of a Tim Curry type, I yes. guess, is what we're saying. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, super <laughs>
4: creepy.
0: All right, Chelsea. How about you? What's your epic moment or feature, and your rating from one to ten seeds?
2: Well, Alicia already talked about the most hype character, Magi. Oh shit! Sure. <laughs> Great you know minds. What? I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna shout out again. To Krista as the main character, which you brought up before, Alicia. And I think that's so true. You know, it's amazing to have a strong female protagonist, and especially in a children's film. And she's so unapologetically herself, which I really love that. And she has some characteristics that might, in like traditionally, have been given to a male character. Like she's adventurous, she's bold. And um, she doesn't go around trying to make sure she's nice to everyone or, like, they make sure they like her. She's just who she is and naturally is effervescent and people love her for it, you know? Yeah. People Mm -hmm. accept her for who she is. And I think it's a strong female role model for kids. And it's still so poignant for today.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And like you guys said, there are some... Issues with the film that I agree with, you know, Um, the representation of the villain as kind of a feat and the lack of indigenous representation. Yes. But all in all, I think there are a lot of really strong messages here of environmentalism, friendship. Yes. And having an appreciation for the beauty and magic in nature. Um, whether or not you believe in magic, you could think of that in many different ways.
0: I mean, this is a fantasy Mm -hmm. podcast. All of our listeners believe in magic.
2: Okay. (laughs) They better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I will give this a 9 out of 10 seeds as well.
0: Very nice. Hype. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it deserves it. What about you, Jamie? What is your epic moment or feature and your rating from 1 to 10 seeds? Yeah
0: yeah Jamie.
2: Tell us, Jamie. oh
0: my! I didn't see this coming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I think I'm gonna say that my epic moment is kind of the whole culminating battle of everything. Oh. I was gonna say the ritual where all of the Ferngullians come together and like lend their power, which is the the build up to the final battle because this movie does it so much better than Avatar. Yeah. I was so much more invested in it. It was awesome. I loved the visual style of, of how it's happening and the glowing and everyone's coming together. They're building up this communal power yeah. to lend to like Krista as their representative, but it's all of them coming together to do it. And then the final battle against Hexus is fucking awesome when Krista sticks the seed in his head and these vines are like, growing out of his sludge cape and, like, pulling him down and he's fighting. But you just see the vines twisting and twining all over the place and, like, dragging him closer and closer to the ground. I've always loved, like, twisted, creepy tree and vine imagery. It's so cool.
2: Well, one cool thing about this is she doesn't use violence and the forces of destruction to defeat him she uses the force of creation
0: yes i love that it's life and creation and nature overcoming pollution and avarice and greed and i thought it was fucking awesome yeah
2: it's like what we learned from the green knight the green is what persists. It's what will remain. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Especially in the mushroom suit. Yeah. Yes. Oh,
0: Perfect. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's
2: how I'm going out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, this movie, the animation is excellent. Really good. 1992. Like, still that great hand-drawn style. They did some real um, footage painted over or, or animated over. That was really cool. It's
2: called rotoscoping, right?
0: I don't know if this one was rotoscope. No, this wasn't rotoscope. That's where you, like, would take live actors and paint over. Right,
2: right. They did a
0: traditional animation style, but they interspersed it with a few live shots and stuff, which I thought looked really good. It creates a very dramatic appearance. Like I said, I actually think the thematic elements of environmentalism are, like, just the right spiciness and right flavor. So I appreciated that. And the character they're fun and the story's really good. and we've got Robin Williams and Tim Curry yeah. in the same movie so so I think I'm gonna give this movie eight and a half seeds. okay <laughs> it's a tough one I I agree with you guys that you know the the little things it's missing stand out more over time as we become more socially conscious and everything the lack of Indigenous representation brings it down a little bit. But, I mean, given its time period, it's, I guess, to be expected, but that shouldn't be an excuse for not taking some... Taking the coward's way out. (laughs) Yeah, for taking the coward's way out and not having representation. But it's still really good. It's still a movie that I think has a message that is actually more timely today than it was when this movie came out. Yeah. Since Mm -hmm. it's only gotten worse out there in our (laughs) little natural world that we're actually all a part of. Yeah. Humans like to create this false dichotomy between nature and civilization, missing the point that it's all part of the same planet and the same ecosystems.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're a part of nature. There's actually no separation from
0: it. Exactly. So... Yeah, I mean, I think this movie is one that we should be, like Jack said, showing our children, celebrating, and learning from. Yeah. So, you know what? Nine out of ten scenes. I talked
3: myself.
0: Uh, It's really good.
2: Yeah. Got that bump. That little bump. (laughs) Hell
0: yeah. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for us here at Swords and Satire. Thank you again for joining us. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on social media at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out our memes, see what movies we're doing in the near future, and chat with us if you want.
2: And if you want to be cool like Alicia and you have the means, you can go over to patreon.com swordsandsatire and Satire And join our patron community. Um, There are multiple tiers to fit different budgets, and you'd help support the show. You also get some cool extra content, like voting on the movies we watch and rewriting history episodes.
0: And those outtakes, which I'm led to believe there's not a lot of stuff that has to get cut from these. So (laughs) they're uh, they're pretty thin, right?
2: Uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're fun.
1: Very cool. But if you don't have a few extra bucks to send toward your favorite podcasters, <laughs> Why not tell your friends and your family about your favorite show and spread the word? The more listeners we get, the bigger the community we have, and the more satire family members you have.
2: Dang, that sounds pretty cool, too.
0: Also, the more powerful our ritual will be to defeat Hexus when he comes back.
2: Yes.
1: It's true. Tell your satirist children and your satirist children's children. Are they (laughs) your children? Only satirically. (laughs)
0: And, of course, we want to thank our friend Alicia for joining us this week. Aww. Do you have anything you want to say to our listeners before we sign off?
2: Um, Just that you guys are the best, and I'm so happy to be here. Aww. Yay, we've loved having you. It's been so much fun. Yay.
0: Well, please let us know whenever you can come back. We'd love to have you basically any time, because this was a Yay. total blast. It was great talking about the movie with you.
2: Thank you. I've been looking forward
0: to it. Well, Chelsea, what are we talking about next week?
2: Next week is our final episode on Over the Garden Wall. We'll be talking about episodes 7 through 10.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I can't wait.
2: And seeing what happens to our intrepid explorers in the unknown.
0: Very nice.
2: Yeah. So oh, no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, until then, Hail Crumb!